morning again. Welcome back. Hey, we're in week four flirting with disaster, and apparently our sound guys are flirting with disaster by changing the music. I don't know. You know, sin's all around us. We, we fall into these traps. I, I don't know. You know, unfortunately in life, you know, we always say, hey, man, remember you guys sucked in hook, line, and sinker. You know, how many times have you been caught hook, line, and sinker? Be honest, okay? We all, we all do it. And it's that hook, line, and sinker is that whole, man, you fell for it. You fell into it. That lure was out there, and you just had to have it. And unfortunately, we all fall into that. And then you hear the other thing, oh, well, you know, boys will be boys, you know, because I remember that. And I, yeah, with all boys in the family, I know you're shaking your head. Man, boys will be boys. You got to be kidding me. You're absolutely right. Or how about that other one? You know, that's just the way it is. You know, the reality is that's not just the way it is. As we go through this life, we, we us and unfortunately the world tries to make things appear okay that aren't okay. And we'll kind of give them old cliches about, you know, it's okay or this or that, but but, but as children of God, we're, we should be alive. We're this new creation. We're these new beings. We should be different than what the world's calling us to be. So, so we shouldn't get caught hook, line, and sinker by sin. We shouldn't say, oh, that's just what it is or that's just how it is because unfortunately that's just how or what it is in the world is totally different than what God's Word says. And as we go through this life, whatever we're dealing with, we need to put it through the filter of what God's Word says, not what the world may say. And today we're going to actually be talking about um, a place I think we all flirt with disaster. And ladies in the house, when I say what it is, don't say, oh, that's men, because women get stuck in it too. So today we're going to be talking about lust. Like, oh, that's a oh, pastor I can check out because I don't deal with lust. I've never dealt with lust. And remember, you're lying in church. And it is not just a thing that men do, although men seem to do it more often than women. It still crosses the board. Men and women both do it. And, of course, if we're going to talk about it, we got to know what lust is. So lust is defined as this. A strong sexual desire, a passionate desire for something, and a sensuous appetite regarded as sinful. So I do want to say first and foremost, having, having desires is not always bad. It's part of our natural human being. It's part of being who God called us to be. As a matter of fact, without sexual desire the world would cease to exist because we would not have more kids and the world would not keep going and we would not be multiplying the way God called us to do it. Um, so we just got to remember as we look at it, filter it through what God's Word says because God's Word and the world are totally different. And kind of the big idea today is this, taking what God has called good and beautiful and feeling the need to claim it as personal property is lusting. Okay? So that's a bigger definition than what we think, right? Anything that God created, God called it good, God called it beautiful, 
if we need to claim it as our own personal property, that becomes lusting. And unfortunately, what happens is lusting runs right along with envy. It runs right along with greed, which we've talked about in the last couple weeks. They all kind of work together. And what we need to understand is we don't need to be fearful of the beautiful things that God has made. God has made a lot of beautiful things. We shouldn't fear it at all. Um, we just got to learn to see things and people the same way God sees them. And that's when the reality comes in because, unfortunately, we don't always see things the way God sees it. So it, it, it makes us have to change our mindset and understand that, that flirting with lust always plants a seed of sin. And sin always brings forth death. So with that being said, today we're going to be talking about you know, it's disturbing, lust, lust and adultery both. Uh, they both run hand in hand. And the most disturbing fact about the subject is that every one of us are adulterers and every one of us have fallen into lust. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the back of the pew in front of you. And if you pull the one out of the back of the pew in front of you, you can turn to page 1,115, and on the bottom right-hand side, that's where you're going to find Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 27, because I truly believe there is something about opening up God's Word that makes a difference. And, and Wednesday night, we actually talked about it, about the public reading of God's Word. How many of y'all remember going to church and everyone stood up when the Bible was read? Y'all remember that? Well, guess what? Stand up. Let's stand up. Let's do this. And we're going to read it together, amen? So hopefully you got a Bible in your hand or an iPad or an iPhone. Well, I'm not going to say iPhone. That's the devil. You know, the, the, it's been bitten. It's a bit Apple. So we're not going to go there. Break out your Androids. Anyways, Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, Everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Amen. Please be seated. Man, that's like old school, isn't it? That, that bring back memories for some people? Uh, I, think, I think it's interesting the way Jesus starts the, this, this part of um, Scripture out. He says, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. So as Jesus is talking, I'm kind of thinking, okay, well, who they hear it said from? And honestly, it was probably Pharisees and Sadducees and, and, you know, the religious elite told them, do not commit adultery. You know, hey, you shouldn't do this. And, you know, you think about it, well, there's nothing wrong with, hey, I've heard do not commit adultery. I understand that. There's really nothing wrong with it. Um, and Jesus isn't like putting away the law. But what he's showing is that they missed it. They miss the heart of the matter. They, they hey, don't commit adultery. Um, 
you, you know, it's more that physical act. Don't physically commit adultery is what it's saying. And he goes on, he says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So see, just the words do not commit adultery don't get to the heart of the matter. And Jesus gets to the heart of it on what it is. Now remember, the, the Jews made all kinds of laws to try and stop from breaking the Ten Commandments. And here is one of the laws. They say, hey, do not commit adultery. And so you need to move forward. And like I said, Jesus isn't condemning the law. He's just getting to the heart of the matter. Um, realizing that the, the, the doing isn't all that is sin. The doing it we know is sin, but here's the reality. The wanting to do it is sin as well. And, and this is the part that do not commit adultery misses. It's that desire. It's that lust to want to do something that's still a sin that unfortunately I think the scribes and the Pharisees missed the underlying part or the heart of what causes the adultery in itself. Um, and for us, I mean, they, they must have forgot the 10th commandment says, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. But remember a couple, of year, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, adultery in biblical times was different than adultery today. And, and the way it's this double standard. So if a male committed adultery, he actually had to be having an affair with a married woman. But now if the woman that he was with happened to be single, they didn't commit, consider it adultery. Kind of a double standard. And, you know, try and defend that in court today. Well, Your Honor, I wasn't having an affair because she's single. <laughs> and according to Jewish law, she's not married, so it's okay. No, it's not okay. So, so you see their whole idea of adultery and basically all the laws that the Jews made up though, that they didn't break the Ten Commandments, they ended up breaking them themselves. And it was kind of like, hey, if, if this says don't cover your neighbor's wife, that's okay, you can go with another woman, which really makes no sense whatsoever. So it, it really gets to the heart of it, and, and that's what Jesus is getting to here. He's getting to the heart of the matter. Um, understand, you know, lust is that second look. You know, it's that second look we give. And, and for the men in the house, you already know it. For the women in the house, you may not know it. Men are stimulated by sight. Men are stimulated by what we see. We see the beauty. We look at it that much more. Um, we, we end up giving it that second look. Um, and unfortunately, the powers in this world know that men are visual creatures. So they make everything very visual because then what happens? Men want to get it. Men want to buy it. We've got to have it kind of thing. Um, you think about the abundance of pornography, the abundance of sexual uh, innuendos, even in TV commercials and TV shows. Sex sells. Especially when it comes to men sex sells because we're going to look, we're going to get caught up in it, and I don't care who you are, you're sitting next to your wife saying, babe, that's not me, it's not me, guess what? Yes, it is. Just not when, she, when she's in the room, you're not doing it, but, but we all get caught up in it. Um, 
Unfortunately, it sells. It sells, and men are going to be attracted to it, and men are going to buy it. There's a book out there called Every Man's Battle, and on page 13, it actually says this. And I think some of us are really going to relate. There was a monster lurking about, and it surfaced each Sunday morning when I settled into my comfy lazy boy and opened the Sunday morning newspaper. I would quickly find the the department store inserts and begin paging through the colored newsprint filled with models posing in bras and panties, always smiling, always available. I loved lingering over each ad insert. It's wrong, I admitted, but it's such a small thing, and it's a far cry from Playboy. Trying to minimize the act. I remember Sears Roebuck catalog, couldn't wait for it to come in as a kid. Yeah, and, and it's crazy, but that's what we did. That's what men do. But Jesus tells us that it's not just a small thing. Oh, well, it was just a little ad. It wasn't this. It's still not a small thing. Sin is still sin. The problem is we try and condone it as, well, it's not that bad. Oh, it's not as bad as this person's. Or, well, it was only a little, a little picture. It wasn't a full-blown movie. And we try and condone the little bit of it, but it's still sin. And the reality is, <clears throat> if you're sitting there and you're taking that time, men or women, and you're looking at pictures or looking at video, and you begin to lust, guess what? You already had the affair. You had the affair in your heart. You may not have physically done it, but guess what? You still sinned. You still went above and beyond what God calls us to do, and we've crossed that line, and you basically had an affair of your heart. And the act may not have occurred, but the desire associated with the act has, and that constitutes the sin. And like I said, women, you're not off the hook. In this same book, a gentleman by the name of Thad actually wrote this. I want to be free but I'm becoming frustrated and angry with the church. The Bible says that women should dress modestly, but they don't. The women soloists are always wearing the latest, tightest fashions. I look at them, but all I see are curves and legs. You know, that one who always wears the slit way up the thigh, that thigh flashes on every step she takes. I just get enraged. Why do they make it worse. Man, how many men can agree with that? You know, I was good until she came by what? Wearing them tight pants. It's her fault, right? Guess what? No, it's still your fault. It's still your fault for taking the what? Second glance. For, for all of a sudden letting it go from just someone walking past you to, man, look at that. And see, unfortunately, I mean, there's some guy I see, because we do that. That's what we do, and that's what leads into it. And like I said, women, you're not alone because I've seen some women go, mm-hmm. Do that second look, sometimes that third look, mm-hmm. Yeah, see, but y'all automatically, lust, it's a man thing. No, it ain't. It's not a man thing. Even women do it, and we all get caught up in it, so we need to know what to do. Also, I will let you know that lust has no age barrier. There's no age barrier whatsoever. I remember a pastor friend of mine, he said, man, I used to always go to this house and I'd, I'd meet with the wife. She'd come to church. The, the husband would never come to church. And 
So I'd go and I'd visit her, and her husband would be sitting on the front porch reading pornography. They were in their 80s. So now you're thinking, wait a minute, 80-year-old man, guess what? It has no limit on age. It has no limit on age. It has no limit on, on whether you're male or female, young or old. Unfortunately, we all fall into it, and we get caught up in, in the lust of the, uh, of the eyes, and we, we end up doing what we shouldn't be doing. Understand, lust is simply that inside desire. It's that inside desire of the outward act of adultery. It's that what's inside of you, and if it's not controlled, that inner lust can actually turn to physical adultery. So we need to make sure we watch what we're doing and watch how we prevent it. Um, even think about, look at the David. David, a man after God's own heart. In 2 Samuel 11, verse 1 through 5, it says this, In the spring, when kings march out to war, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and strolled around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, a very beautiful woman. So David sent someone to inquire about her, and he said, Isn't this Bathsheba, daughter of Iliam and wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to him, he slept with her. Now she had just been purifying herself from her uncleanliness. Afterwards, she returned home. The woman conceived and sent word to inform David, I am pregnant. Every one of us has committed adultery in our heart. David was where he shouldn't have been. David was in Jerusalem while he sent everyone out to, to battle and, and to war, and he happened to be walking on the roof of his palace, which oversaw everything. Now, most people will say, oh, well, you know, David being the king summoned her. He probably raped her, this, that, and everything else. It doesn't say that he raped her. So, see, I think it kind of goes the other way. It's, man, the king wants to see me. He's got all this money. He's the king of Jerusalem. He is the man. Oh, I got to go up there and see him. I know I'm married. You know, it, it takes two to tango. It, it's not just one-sided. And generally when lust becomes adultery, it's because two people are involved because it takes two to commit adultery. Where we can lust on our own, it's that taking that extra step, exactly what happened here with with David and Bathsheba, and I think what's interesting is in the passage uh, that we have today, Jesus gives this kind of crazy um, solution. If you want to say it's okay, well, if you're lusting, this radical solution is what you got to do. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Is Jesus teaching body muni you know, for us to mutilate our bodies? No. He's not doing that. Because think about that. 
we would all be blind because we'd have no eyes and we'd have no arms. If, if we actually had to do what Jesus was saying here, we would literally be eyeless. We'd all be trying to read Braille, but we'd have no arms because we'd still find a way to commit sin. It would still cause us to do something we're not supposed to do. So we'd be all just walking like zombies walking around. So, so he's not saying that, but what he is saying is cut it off. What is it that's causing you to lust? What is it that's causing you to sin? Whatever it is, that's what you need to cut off. You need to cut it off, get rid of it, get away from it, because it's better to lose something in your life than to lose your life. And there's a big difference between losing something and losing everything. And none of us want to lose everything in our life. You know, we, we don't need to worry about losing our salvation. But the reality is we can lose that relationship that we have. The relationship that we have be, with God can become tainted when we fall into that sin. So whatever it is, whatever we're falling into, and, and you know, we talk about this, talking about this with lust, but it can be any sin you're falling into. You need to cut off what's causing you to do it. Take it and move it to the side. Um, the, real, the realization is that, you know, you, you look at TV and everything is to extremes. I mean, it's just crazy what you see on TV today. And, and maybe it just means turning it off. Maybe it means putting blocks on your computer, putting blocks on your phone. Whatever it may be, we need to do it. And unfortunately, some people go to extremes. I've actually heard in some businesses where the boss will say, I will not meet with any woman. I'll meet with the men, and they can go tell someone, but no woman is, woman is going to come in my office, and I'm not going to associate with them because I have a problem. Really? So now you're going to push your problem on everyone else. And, and you know, that's an extreme of going, hey, I got to push everything. I can't see women. Well, what are you going to do when you leave your office? What are you going to do when you go to Dunkin' Donuts? What are you going to do when you go into the world? Are you going to walk around with blinders on? No. But they'll put this where they have, think they have power to try and put it away. Oh, I, it won't happen to me at work. No, but it's going to happen every place else. And the reality is it comes down to each one of us to do what we're called to do. Each one of us needs to take those steps in obedience and, and do what we're called. And, and the good thing is Christ followers is we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. And in Galatians 5.16, it actually says, I say then walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of your flesh. Walk by the Spirit. And I think that's one of the things that we miss is we don't walk by the Spirit. We don't walk by what God's Word says. We don't live our life by what God's Word calls us to live, and we think we can do it ourselves. But yet, if we actually do what God's Word says, and the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us, we don't need to worry about falling to the lust of the desires of our flesh. We're able to continue to move on. And, and in the world today, so many people are doing exactly that. They're living by the desires of their flesh. Now, as Christ followers, we need to give them mercy and grace. But at the same time, while we're doing that, we need to make sure we don't fall into that sin. 
And, and Jude actually tells us in Jude chapter 1, verse 23, instead of, wow, where am I at? I missed it. Oh, went too far. Okay, anyways, there are still others to whom you need to show mercy, but be careful that you aren't contaminated by their sin. Don't get caught up in what they're doing. Don't get caught up in other people um, and, and make sure yourself that you're prepared for what's going to happen. Even the Apostle Paul in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 27 said, Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So even the Apostle Paul realized that when we deal with people in the world and we're, we've got to give them that grace, we've got to give them the, the same thing that we've given, that we need to make sure we don't get contaminated. So, so he disciplined himself, and we need to do the same thing. If we discipline ourselves so that as we preach the gospel to the people that we come in contact with, that we won't be ashamed because we won't get caught up in the same thing that they're getting caught up in because we need to, if we're going to walk the walk, we need to talk the talk, and it needs to be the same. We can't just walk the walk and, and say one thing and do something else because the world's going to know it. The world's going to see the difference in us. So we need to discipline ourselves and be prepared to do what we're called to do and let them know, hey, show them grace, show them mercy, but don't get caught up in it. Don't, don't get caught up in it and, and definitely don't, don't tell them it's okay, you know, because it's not. Now, I do want to, don't get me wrong, sex is good in the right context of God's word, in the right context of marriage, as it says in Hebrews 3, 4. Um, I think is when people kind of figure they can govern themselves. You know, that whole, you know, only God can judge me. Well, trust me, he's going to. But then that whole, well, I can make my own decisions. I can decide what's right. I don't need God. I don't need God's word. I don't need my parents telling me what's right or wrong. I can do this myself. When you attempt to define truth yourselves and you try and attempt to define truth by the world standards instead of God's standards, you're going to get it wrong. You're going to get it wrong every time. Because the world, in the world, what the world says is bad, God says is good. The world says good, God says bad. It's polar opposites of each other, and you will fall into that thinking you can do and whatever you want to do in your life, but realize that lust is deceitful. Lust is foolish. It's harmful. It's corrupt. Lust can control you, and it can make you do things that you should not be doing. Because whether you're lusting after another human being or you're lusting after another human being's stuff. And we get caught in that too. Remember, it's not just sexual. It could be lusting someone's property. It could be lusting someone's vehicle. It could be lusting after a job, their money. It could be anything that then turns to that envy and greed. Lust isn't always about sex. Lust is about that desire for something that God made that is beautiful but you want it. You want it for yourself. 
We just always need to remember to put things through God's filter. So, so what do we do? I want to let you know, if you, if you have a problem with, with pornography, um, best don't leave yourself alone with a computer. Put blocks on it. Um, if you catch yourself that, hey, you know, I, I watch these movies or I watch these videos or whatever it is, whatever is causing you to lust, get it out. Cut it off. Cut it off so that it's not there in front of you. Cut it off so that maybe you can't access that website. Cut it off so maybe you don't watch that movie on TV. You know, you know, hey, you're watching football and you know a commercial's going to come on. Guess what? Don't watch the commercials. Get up and leave the room till the game comes back on. Because we all know commercials during football games are what? Sex sells. It may be for Bud Light. It may be for Modella. It may be for some type of alcohol. It could be for anything, but it's going to be some woman up there dressed in not a whole lot of clothes, and you're going to be looking, and then all of a sudden you're going to be like, I want a Bud Light. I want to get some Modelo. Uh, oh, I need to go to FanDuel, and I need to bet on this game because that's what that woman was doing. And we get caught up in it. And it's sad that we do that. So you got to cut it off and, and put parameters, put barriers up in your own life to be able to avoid them going forward. And realize that God does give us beauty. God, God provides beauty. God provides all of that. And what he says is good and beautiful, we need to never take advantage of. We need to watch out for it. Um, and understand, it's, it's okay to acknowledge something is beautiful and then thank God for its beauty. Put it back on, it's something God created. Let me thank God for the beauty. And um, <coughs> Alan Noble, actually, he's a professor and an author. He actually said, um, li um, live with beauty without owning it. And, and that whole, we need to be able to live with beauty without owning it. And unfortunately for many of us, we can't do that. We can't live with beauty without thinking that we got, it's ours. We've got to own this. I've got to own that Maserati. I've got to own that BMW. I've got to own, man, their house is bigger than my house. I've got to own a house just like that. All of that is lust. Man, her husband is better looking than my husband. I need him to be my man. Man, his wife is so much better looking than my wife. No, he, no hey, by the way, this is a metaphor. Ain't no one better looking than Patty. Okay, y'all don't get me in trouble. <laughs> I just got to have it. No, you don't. But it starts there in that heart. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times that lust starts in the job place, starts inside work because you spend more time with the people you work with than you do at home awake. So it starts, you know, just with a little, oh, yeah, I'll get you coffee. A little chuckle, a little laugh, oh, let's do lunch. And then it starts this little, hey, I wonder. And it just continues to go to, hey, I wonder, to maybe a soft touch on an arm, to next thing you know, I don't know what happened, I just fell in it. No, you didn't. You walked over every single hurdle that was set up in the way 
to stop you from going from lust to actually doing the act, and you walked through it and went by it. Why? Because you thought it was nothing. But in your mind, that lust turned into, I've got to have it, and then it turned into actual adultery or whatever else it might be. Could have turned into envy and greed. I've got to have it, and you went and took it. Went and took it from somebody else. So we, we need to really watch what we do. And I think in, in James, the book of James, he actually has a, has a unique way of talking about, about sin and lust and desires. And, and in James chapter 1, he kind of talks about, he personifies lust and, and says that it's conceived and it brings forth sin. And I think it's interesting, he's like, it's conceived, and every time I think of the word conceived, I think of pregnancy. You conceived a child, and it takes two to conceive a child, it takes two to commit adultery, but think of the reality of you actually, it is something that's created. So the sin in your life, it's conceived or it's created inside of you. Basically, you're giving birth to the sin that's in your life because you've allowed stuff to come into it. It's this whole, um, the, the allurement of, of a person or, you know, a thing. You're alert. You, you've got it, man. I've got to have it. I've got to keep looking. Instead of that second look, you're giving it that third look and, and, and you got to have it. And Man, I really want this. It's mine. I just love it so much. And then you, so now you're lusting about it. So then what does it do? It conceives the sin. When the two come together, you take those next steps. And the problem is it's so hard not to take that next step when you've already been looking. And now it's available for touching or taking. It's really hard not to take that step and fall in to that sin. So we really need to watch what we're doing and how we live our life and continue to move on. Um, the Bible tells us that, that the eyes of human beings are, are never satisfied. You know, that our, our eyes are never satisfied with what we see. We always want to see more. And, and y'all know what I'm talking about. You get, you get just a little taste of something. Man, wait a minute. What, what was that? Let me see. You know, all of a sudden you start rewinding your TV set. What did I miss? Or, or you see something and all of a sudden, wait a minute, what was that? So you take a couple extra steps to look around the corner. What did I miss there? Because unfortunately we get caught up in it. We want to see more than what we actually saw. That little flash wasn't enough. So we get caught looking more and more in, into what it is. And flirting with lust, I want to let you know, will certainly lead to destruction. It will lead to disaster. And like I said, some people, you know, talk about putting up parameters. We, we need to do what we can in order to avoid falling into the sin, falling into the lust. You know, like I said at the beginning, you know, t taking what God has called good and beautiful and feeling the need to claim it as personal property is lusting. It's not just about sex. Anything, when we need to claim it as personal property, it is lusting. And flirting with lust always plants a seed of sin 
and sin will always bring forth death. Now, you may be sitting here today and saying, well, pastor, you know, God demands a lot. Man, that's a lot that God demands. Yes, it is. And if you've never accepted Jesus, you're probably going, and that's why. I can never accept Jesus. I could never, ever do what his word calls us to do. And whether you're here in the room, join us online, if that's the way you think, hey, that's okay, you're in good company. Because the reality is, even us as believers, we fail at this. Because every one of us lust. Every one of us lust at something. Whether it's another man, whether it's another woman, whether it's someone else's property. Hey, like I told you, I got that envy and greed for that, for that Ford F-150 Raptor. And there's times I may lust after it because I, it's a beautiful truck and I really want it. And it could turn into that sin. Lust isn't always about sex. It's about that desire that we have in our own heart. And if you're here, maybe you're stuck and you're saying, man, pastor, I, I just don't know. Well, I want to let you know that you're not alone thinking you can't do what God calls you to do. Because God's word does say that we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. So the person sitting next to you is a sinner just like you. We all fail. We all fall short of the glory of God. But God's word also says that he loved us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for us. So those sins of lust, greed, envy, whatever it may be in your life, Jesus went to the cross for them. He went to the cross to die for that sin that we have so that we could receive forgiveness and freedom in him. And it says if you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it starts. That relationship begins to build. And as you then, you, you've asked Jesus to become the Lord of your life. Now understand, when he is the Lord of your life, that means he rules your life. There's a difference between... I asked Jesus into my heart and I made Jesus the Lord of my life. If he is the Lord of your life, you're doing everything he calls you to do. It don't mean you're not going to make mistakes, but that means you're, you're learning about him. You're digging into his word. You're, you're trying to live your life the same way Jesus lived his. And thank God when you fall short that he knew it already. That's why he went to the cross. And, and maybe you're here and, and you're a believer and you're like, man, pastor, you need to get out of my business. Pastor, I, I try and wear blinders when I'm outside, but man, have you seen the way these people dress today? You can't tell if someone's 12 or 21. You don't know how old someone is. And the worst case nowadays, you don't know what, what sex they are. You may be thinking, man, that's a good-looking man, and it's a woman. Man, that's a good-looking woman, and it's a man. It's crazy. The reality is, don't live life through your eyes. Don't live life through your heart, because ultimately, what you do comes from your heart. 
If your heart is a man after, like David, you being a man after God's own heart, you're still going to mess up. David messed up. But David also sought God with his whole heart when he messed up. You read the book of Psalms, David hurt when he hurt God. We need to hurt when we hurt God. So if you're dealing with any kind of lust in your life, I want to encourage you today. And it's kind of a touchy subject. I'm not going to tell you to come up front. Because you know everyone else is going to be, oh, must be dealing with lust. They're going up to talk to the pastor. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. But my prayer for everyone is that you pray that God gives you a clean heart. Because the reality is, if I said if you suffer from lust, every one of us need to come up and come forward. And we should, uh, every one of us, be up here praying about it. But take time to pray about it. Ask God to give you a clean heart. If you've never accepted Jesus, today is your day of salvation. You can come and see me in the back of the room. I'm still not going to ask you to come up front because they're going to be saying, "Uh uh-huh, person dealing with lust. I'll be located in the back at the end of service. You can come back there. We'll talk about it. Uh, we'll pray, and you can, you can ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life today. But I will tell you, if, you, if you're dealing with lust, if you're dealing with some type of sin, find a brother or sister in Christ that you're close to. Admit it. Ask for forgiveness. And ask them to hold you accountable. There is something about someone else who is a brother or sister that you trust holding you accountable not to do that anymore. Get someone to hold you accountable in your life. Amen? So with that being said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you. We thank you for all that you do in in our lives. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for the beauty that you created. Lord, you've created so many beautiful things in this world. And, and Lord, uh, unfortunately, too many times we take what you created and want to make it our own. We want to try and possess your creation. But, Lord, we need to remember you are God and we are not. And, Lord, when we try to possess something that's not ours, it's lust. It's going after something that don't belong to us. It's, it's taking those next steps from just a single look to a second look. And then going from that lust into that envy, into that greed, into committing that sin in our life, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you forgive us for our sins. But Lord, help to guide us so that we have clean and pure hearts. Lord, help us to hold each other accountable and be open and honest about the lust in our lives. And Lord, if there's anyone here who don't know you, Lord, my prayer is that they will not leave here today without starting that personal relationship with you. That they will ask you to be the Lord of their life and that you will not only change and affect their lives, but affect the lives of their family, their friends, and their loved ones. And Lord, for everyone else in here who who is a follower of yours, Lord, my prayer is the same thing. 
that your word never returns void just as your word says, but Lord, that as they leave here, they make changes in their own lives. And Lord, as we impact our own lives, we have the ability to impact so many others. And Lord, our calling in this world is to tell people about you. Lord, may we be open and honest about who you are in our life. May we tell people about our Jesus. And Lord, may your kingdom be filled by the work that we do each and every day. And Lord, we love you. We seek to honor, praise, and glorify you in all that we do. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, Give My Life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.